When I was a boy, I had to choose a path, or fate would choose for me. I've hurt people, and I'm going to hurt more. I'm asking forgiveness for what I'm about to do. Savages. Gang wars. This city crumbles. Maya. We are the only ones we can trust. That's not something that I can forgive. Nothing about this brings me joy. You brought this on yourself. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies, all for you. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is bonus round time of the IPC podcast. We haven't done one of these in a while, so for those of you that are new to the program or are new to the concept of bonus episodes, this one is going to be minimal frills and all of the thrills that's right no icebreakers no what have you been watching uh very little barbecue it's going to be a lot of meat and potatoes and not a lot of appetizers if you're going to be talking about food uh we both just ate so we are set to talk for the next hour or so on two Mm -hmm. key subjects and by we i mean that i'm not talking all by myself of course i'm zach and i am back on the attack with my buddy Ben and Ben, we talked about our anticipated movies on the last full episode of IPC, but there's a good deal of uh, television that's also worth talking about, and that is going to be one of the central focuses of this bonus episode of IPC. Yeah, you guys appreciate this, appreciate what we're doing here because we literally just accepted our fate last week and went. Whoops, we can't fit it all in this week, so we'll just do another episode next week. We'll do the thing that we used to do a few years ago, which is just do an episode every week, but we usually can't do that. We made a special effort. This was not easy for us, but we're doing it for you guys because we love you. And also, we really want to talk about Echo, and we really want to talk about our most anticipated TV shows of the uh, of the new year. So, yeah, 
we got a lot to get into. It's uh, it's going to be a wild episode, wild and quick episode. Hopefully, of course, we, who knows with us? Um, yeah. But uh, we only we're limiting ourselves to two things to talk about. We can't no tangents, no nothing. We're just going to jump straight into it and and hope for the best. Yeah, and thankfully both of them are going to be series related, so it's not like we're going right. to have the opportunity to go on really big t- tangents because. Um, you know, I, I feel like Echo might have ended up on my top five anticipated series list if it hadn't released within the first, you know, two weeks of the year. And so um, it was it was very interesting um, how early the release was, how hyped it was in certain countries. And I'll get to that in a second. And then it was also really interesting to see all of the episodes release at once, very much like Netflix used to do with their Marvel shows. And so Echo is going to be one of our big talking points on the front end. And then on the back end, we're going to actually read off a few people's top five anticipated lists and give you our five anticipated shows of 2024. Now, to be specific, we're not talking about just brand new shows. We're talking about new seasons of existing programs as well. So Doctor Who, Star Trek, um, things like that are very much on the table, as well as new shows that may be coming out this year. So. There's a lot to dive into, and uh, Ben, I just vote we dive right into it. What did you make um, initial impressions-wise of Marvel's Echo? I, I mentioned just a second ago that I was very impressed with the uh, condensed format and the Netflix-style release format. Did anything like that or just anything about the show and its tone in general stand out to you? Oh, yeah. The tone definitely struck me as – different and and also very much the same from previous marvel shows and i'm talking as someone who has very much enjoyed most of the new mcu television series we've gotten via disney plus um they haven't all been stellar in my opinion but they've all been pretty consistent in that they've all been genuinely great but i also was someone coming into this coming into those shows and especially now i'm just like I was there back in what was it, 2014, 2015, when when Daredevil first came on the scene for Netflix. That was huge, and I still consider those shows, really all those shows, yes, even Iron Fist in some cases, even the 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 lost dud of that that initial Defenders arc, um, was like those shows. There was something special about those shows, and yes, they were smaller scale. Yes, they didn't have as many special effects or big giant you know CGI fight scenes. But the tone and the gravitas that they had was just so well done. I think something that was has been relatively mostly missing from these new shows. Um, and they were a different tone because they were supposed to be. And they were different shows because they weren't trying to get that TVMA thing. And I really was going into this going like, okay, is this – even though hey, – hey, big Disney fan here. But is this going to be TVMA – like a Disney-fied version of that. And I hate to even use the word Disney-fied, but it was just kind of this overarching skepticism of can Disney replicate that? Can Does Disney want to replicate that? If they're putting this on their mostly family-friendly platform, are they really going to want to go into this you know, world where people get their – Get get shivved in the in the gut or punched in the face until their till blood spatters out. Like it was some pretty nasty stuff that happened in those old shows, and I wasn't sure if they would actually bring that kind of tone back. And I'm delighted to say they did. 
absolutely they did. I think this these shows, this show in particular, because the first episode is kind of like melding together like new footage that they've shot for this show and then also from Hawkeye, which I really did enjoy, but was definitely a way different tone. Yeah. And they managed to tie it all in, I think, make this kind of cohesive narrative of just like, okay, here's something you've seen. If you haven't seen Hawkeye, then here's all that stuff. So you can kind of get caught up on that. And they've gone taken this fully into it to the point where you're caught up and but it's it's way different. And I think it does more so than anything before has captured that Daredevil. I told you before we started recording, I've been going back to Daredevil recently. Um, this, this show made me go back and watch yeah. Daredevil and yeah. um, go finish my Daredevil, Daredevil rewatch I had going for a while and then missed. But um, this show really captures that. And 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 it, like when Daredevil shows up, it feels like the old school Daredevil. Like yes. Spoiler alert, this is really isn't a spoiler, it's kind of an anti-spoiler. It's just like he's only in one scene. Daredevil is in the show, he's only in one scene. Mm-hmm. And it's great. It's really great. I don't want anybody going expecting like there's gonna be Daredevil wall to wall. No, it's one scene, but it's great, it's worth it. And it feels like OG Daredevil, and it's great. Um, and then you go further into that, you learn about your story or characters, and you end up really loving Echo, Maya Lopez. And ultimately I think I'm I'm here for more of her character because I wasn't like she wasn't a standout favorite character for me in Hawkeye. Now right. I really do, and I I want to see where she goes after this. Yeah, it, it's interesting how much that first episode is really a reintroduction into Maya's character slash origin story, but then it's also a reintroduction of Wilson Fisk. It's a reintroduction of Daredevil. It's a reminder of Hawkeye. There's a lot of things that they are trying to blend together. And honestly, I feel like that first episode does a better job of reminding, excuse me, reminding you of the past and refreshing you on old themes and making this part of the universe feel more complete and cohesive than a lot of other stories have been able to do. I I hate to point fingers, but. I don't feel like Secret Invasion does that very well. And that's part of the reason why it, why it flopped for me. It, it, it Secret Invasion thought it was. It just thought it, it was. It, it creates division within itself, within its own storylines. And it, it becomes extremely convoluted and, and more complex than it needs to be. And in this case, I don't feel like the creators of Echo bit off more than they felt like they could chew. And I guess that, that comes back to your thoughts on the... Uh, cinematography standpoint and and the set pieces standpoint like they kept it contained enough to feel true to life while also giving it a new direction a new purpose a new story it it does all of those things really really well honestly it's probably one of my favorite first episodes of a of a tv series of a new series that we've gotten in quite some time they, they do a really good job of bringing people up to speed and then carrying the story forward all in one episode. And so it's it, it's cool to, to see an origin story all the way back in 07 and then taking it all the way past Hawkeye to going back home to her hometown of, of Tamaha. And you've got all of that in that first episode. And it really sets the stage and sets the tone for what the rest of the series is likely to be. Oh, yeah, it's. 
it does really well by the characters, I think, because it I mean, it's dealing with aside from Kingpin and the small bit of, of you know, Matthew Murdoch that we get is dealing with mostly original characters, mostly that are in this pocket of the Marvel Universe that we've never explored before, which is the Choctaw Nation in in dude. Oklahoma and dude. getting into all that and getting into a culture that I personally I, I unfortunately don't know enough about. I feel like it is it's it's weird how America treats like Native American culture like that is American history, even though, you know, it's it's it, things it's it's all tied in there. And it's a shame that we don't know more, more about it as a white person. I'm like, I I really want to learn more. I want to know more about what went on and, and their history and all this kind of stuff and all these legends and stuff like that. And tying that in with the Marvel right. Universe of pulling this back around and going like, OK, what if there's a superhero spin on this? What if what if you had what if these special powers were passed down through these generations and it echoes mm-hmm. through this and each episode is named after one of her ancestors and she has one of these unique abilities that she has i thought that was a really well good way of just like it's not just in name only oh it's echo because it's from from the comics it's literally that's uh, the point of the show is echoes of these ancestors it's a really cool idea so going forward I think you really do, and I mean, come on. There's great characters. I love the grandfather <laughs> that owns the pawn shop. He's great. Um, yeah. Freaking biscuits and Billy Jack. They're the MVPs. They're just they're ride or die. Like biscuits, like gets into this the whole train heist thing, <laughs> and him just like no, qu- like he does ask questions, but he still goes along with it. He's like he's risking his life so she can go put a bomb on a train. It's just like it's ridiculous, and uh, but it's so great. And then you know further on, then you get into the real meat and potatoes, which is when Wilson Fisk shows back up, and they kind of trick you and think, oh well, maybe he's dead. We shot him in the face. No, he's he's still kicking. And uh, their relationship, I think, is great. And, man, Vincent D'Onofrio brings his A-game again, man. When does he ever not bring his A-game? I'm, I'm telling you, th- this guy is one of those underrated actors that is finally getting his due recognition. Like, the, the hardcore Daredevil fans obviously knew about him. Um, but now you're incorporating, like, MCU fans, and they're getting a chance to... Uh, to to give him the the due praise but i mean he was fantastic in jurassic world also like i don't think very many people remember or give him enough credit as hoskins in the first jurassic world film so like literally literally anything i've seen him in he crushes it and uh he he did so again um i i do want to touch on the on the whole um Choctaw Nation side of things that you were talking about there for a second, because being right. in Texas, uh, I'm I'm actually relatively close to Choctaw Nation territory in Oklahoma. It's probably less than a two hour drive from where we live and where um, where the interesting convergence is um, probably less than a year ago. My wife and I went on like a day trip tour type of thing where we just hopped in the car and started touring casinos. And some of them were relatively small, but then we also went to the really big Choctaw casino and resort that's got like hotels that are 15, 20 floors high. Like it's a it's a really, really big casino and resort that's got its own 
movie theater. It's got its own bowling alley. It's got a like a laser tag arena for the kids, several bars and restaurants and like a performance venue for bands and comedians. Like this is a legit, legit place. But intermingled with all of that, they have different um, I don't I don't want to call them exhibits, but they're almost like memoriams that help tell some of the story of the Choctaw Nation to passersby. And there's statues outside as well with um, plaques and and memorials and anecdotes and things like that that help tell the history that's like, hey, we're more than just a casino. We are a people with history. And for that history to be told with such detail and with such respect um, is something that I really have to give Marvel a lot of credit for because it would have been very easy to stereotype something like the Choctaw Nation and their casinos. Oh, heck. And, and instead they chose to send representatives to actually do their due diligence on some of the um, religious components and some of the different rituals that get performed and the costuming and the headdresses and the festivals and all that sort of thing. I am sure beyond a shadow of a doubt, based on what I've experienced and what I've seen in person that Marvel did their homework. And I really, really respect that. And there actually is a community in Oklahoma that's called Tamaha, believe it or not. Wow. Okay. It, it wasn't, it wasn't a fictional area that was made up, but it is a wide spot <laughs> a very wide spot uh, along the Arkansas River that um, doesn't even have its own city hall. Like wow. it is so it is so small and so unincorporated that if you want to um, go to the post office, you have to go. I want to say like a half hour away to the town of Stigler, S-T-I-G-L-E-R, Stigler, Oklahoma is 17 miles away and that is where the nearest any kind of casino is there is a choctaw casino in stigler and you know how wilson fisk says you know if you want to find me i'll be at the choctaw casino it's not like he was just going down the road somewhere in tamaha like the nearest quote-unquote casino is is kind of almost like a convenience store that's got slot machines and then if <laughs> yes. you're and then if you're and then if you're trying to go to like an actual casino and resort you're going to have to go to like the Oklahoma slash Arkansas border where like it's it's basically less than a mile away from the state line between Oklahoma and Arkansas. It's like literally right on the state line in a town called Pocola, P-O-C-O-L-A. And that's like an hour away from Tamaha. So there's some pretty significant driving that has to be done when you're talking about where the nearest casinos are, where the nearest pieces of civilization are. Um, Tamaha exists, but they definitely made it into a bigger town in the show than it would be in real life. Yeah, that's, um, that's great though, that it's such that it seems to be very faithful to this and, and, and Marvel, the end of the series ends with a little title card that says thank you to the Choctaw Nation and all that kind of stuff. That was really right. cool. And right. And um yeah, it's just really cool this I mean, we talk about representation. We talked about, you know, like representing different communities or different types of people. And some people push back on that unfortunately and say like, oh, you know, whatever else. This is just, 
pandering or whatever else, which look, I can no. see that. I can look, I can see that because yes, pandering it like just doing something to get somebody's attention is not necessarily the right way to do it. And obviously, like when you're dealing with giant companies and giant corporations, sometimes that they don't have the most altruistic things. But ultimately, when you're doing this, when you're talking about representation, it's not just for the sake of let's let's let these people see themselves in a superhero show or whatever else you're talking about, a Star Wars movie or whatever else. It also just makes for interesting stories. I've never mm-hmm. seen anything like this. I've never seen a Native American deaf amputee superhero before. This has never right. been done before. That's what makes it interesting. That's interesting storytelling. This is making a character that I'm genuinely invested in because she's so unique. And this is all from the comics. I think, from what I understand, Alakwa Cox is a real life amputee, and they made they made the character in the TV show, or in the MCU, I should say, just overall, um, an amputee to kind of fit it to her as an actress um but ultimately it was something that's not really in the comics per se but like i've talked about the people like it just makes it more interesting now i think that's a cool aspect of her i'm just like like there's a whole thing where she's i think she's fighting daredevil and she like holds back she like goes to like roundhouse kick him but then like holds back on her foot like adjusted a little bit and then smacks him and then you're like it would hurt to get kicked by a normal foot. It's gotta hurt so bad to get hit, hit by a metal foot. Well, that combined with the notion that I know that Charlie Cox isn't actually blind, but that little sequence between the two of them was probably one of the most unique and representative types of hand-to-hand combats that we have ever seen in oh, Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you've got you've got you've got a woman holding her own with a man for one thing, which you know sexists can suck it. But then <laughs> you've you've also got a person who is blind fighting against a person who is deaf. And so, like, there's all oh sorts of different types of representations that are going on here as far as abilities go, and. It's it was really, really interesting to see the choreography of how a blind person's senses are enhanced compared to how a deaf person's senses are enhanced. You know, studies show that when you lose one of your senses, the other ones become enhanced. We already know from Daredevil's backstory that he's got some other enhanced senses. And so we get to see somebody who is hard of hearing square off against somebody who is visually impaired. And that type of interaction is one unlike anything we've ever seen before. And it was really, really cool to to see that, even if it was for a brief instant. I did appreciate, though, how much of the story tried to stay within the confines of Oklahoma. They didn't yeah. try to overextend their bounds. Aside from the bomb going off in the warehouse, most everything stays in Oklahoma and you have a fight at the skating rink. Or you have a fight at the festival or, you know, these things are are relatively self-contained. You have um, a a dinner scene that happens inside the house. You have, you know, important conversations that are happening on top of a water tower or happening 
um, inside somebody's trinket store. You know, there, there's all of these different instances that show you a part of the town, show you a part of day in the life of this community, and doesn't try to overextend itself. And I'm sure that part of that was due to budgetary reasons, but from a storytelling perspective, I also have to appreciate the way that they tried to incorporate the town and the culture and make that as much of a story as one of the characters is. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting aspect just to the fact of, cause I heard tired some pushback on that. I'm just like, Oh, you know, we were looking forward to, you know um, you know, seeing some, some echo action in New York city. And, and I get that argument, but also like, we've seen that we've seen superheroes fighting in New York quite a lot, <laughs> like yeah. a whole bunch, like, superheroes fighting in oklahoma i i've never seen that before that's an interesting right. concept um we've so seen like, them I, we've seen them fighting in new mexico way back in the first thor movie exactly so you know like the, the idea of superheroes like i love like you know I, in spider-man homecoming where it's like you know it it specifically takes him out of like the city a lot and like like one of my favorite scenes is him like trying to get across a golf course and it's like he can't swing right. he can't swing it's just like yeah this is spider-man's you know greatest in adversary is 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 the golf course because it's just it's not lack his, of trees it's 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 out of his element and here i mean i think it's it's a lot of it could be, you could kind of attribute to that less less comedic wise and just more realism wise of just like yeah, yeah Stuff happens in other parts of the country too, outside of New York. You can do different things, and ultimately, well, I think, yeah, go ahead. I, I'm sorry. I just I loved the pushback that came from the people in the town. You know, the grandma and and Henry and people like that are like, I don't want to bring this war to Oklahoma, and she like like Echo kind of confronts them and is like, it's already here. Like you're you're already a part of it just by working for this guy or by allowing this stuff to happen in our town. Like it's already here. I'm just trying to defend it. And so I I, I appreciate again being as loyal as I am to my hometown. Um, I I think it's it's really respectful to see that she's trying to fight on her terms. I think Maya knows that if she tried to have this fight in New York, she would lose because that's Fisk's comfort zone. That's his territory. But by drawing him out and bringing him to where she feels most comfortable gives her the advantage to a certain extent and really helps showcase her influence on those around her like biscuits and allows her to become a better and stronger version of herself. I really feel like part of the story that was also being told was how her, her senses and powers became more enhanced, the closer to her hometown and like the, the culture's ritualistic grounds, the closer she got to that, the more her powers grew. Oh yeah. That, that's interesting. I think going, I think the, the story is a coming home story, a getting back to her roots yes. and ultimately, kind of figuring herself out and getting back to, because I think there is that shift of her when she goes back to Oklahoma. It's like, okay, well I'm the queen pin now. I'm going to, mm -hmm. I've, I've killed Kingpin. I'm going to take this thing over. And then coming into contact and having all these experiences and coming back to, you know, her, her childhood friends. And then maybe realizing, Hey, this isn't 
maybe necessarily what I want. And then, you know, it's also thrown a wrench in the gears when, oh, by the way, Kingpin is definitely not dead and he's back and he's he's either wanting to recruit her or probably kill her or, you know, any number of terrible things. And ultimately, it's really interesting. Um, but real quick, I just want to get back to something really quick. I, I thought about what you were talking about is yeah. Daredevil. I love I love this version of Daredevil because we again we get it from a completely different perspective of he's kind of the antagonist in that episode. He we're seeing him from that other side. If he just shows up, we don't know where he came from, and he's the aggressor. He, she is fighting to survive. She obviously maybe thinks he's going to kill her. We know he's not going to kill her, but she doesn't know that. Right. And I love that idea that she is absolutely fighting for her life but holds her own very much so she and does I, and you know you have all those implications of like kingpin doesn't call him out but then says oh yeah you've done you did better against him than most people i'm just like yep this hints of it's like yeah everything that we saw in the netflix shows probably happened and this is all happening after that so that's interesting yeah yeah, and and based on what we've seen from set photos and stuff recently of the new season of of Daredevil: Born Again, um, oh. you know a lot of a lot of those characters are coming back, and so this this Echo miniseries is going to be a part of a bigger story. Um, a lot of speculation seems to agree that Wilson Fisk is going to become ultimately like the Thanos of some of these MCU TV shows where he'll have an influence on what goes on in Daredevil. He had an influence in what goes on here. He had an influence in Hawkeye. He's going to become kind of a New York antagonist, and I could very well see him being the antagonist of whatever next Spider-Man film they try to do with Tom Holland. You know, if if they really want to talk about the 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 scummy side of New York that needs to be defended, it's time for a a Daredevil and spider-man team up they've already met now they gotta team up so um i i can definitely see all of that coming down the line yeah i really love that idea they keep talking about it i mean the fandom keeps talking about it and obviously there's rumors the, the latest one of the latest rumors with fan art all kinds of stuff yeah like like there's there's the rumor now that marvel is wanting a kind of a lower stakes spider-man movie um in the wake of no way home maybe sony doesn't want that but um hopefully kevin feige will get his way because i think that's that's the right way to go it's just like yeah lower stakes have kingpin be the big bad and have there be some stakes and it doesn't have to be oh we're all focused on this one villain oh it's oh, it's kang and and spider-man and dark daredevil we gotta go fight kang now no you know they can do things differently and you can ultimately have a story where you know it's just about new york it's about that city and about these characters who live in that city having to deal with this stuff because yeah the avengers are always going to have bigger fish to fry but what happens to the little guys and i love the idea of you know there and i've been i've been banging the drum of bringing the red team of do deadpool daredevil and spider-man team those three dudes up and we know they're all three in the same universe now so they have no excuse now to do to not do that um i think that would be lovely to have a street level thing and and spoiler alert it seems kingpin wants the highest throne in the city now he seems to want to be mayor 
And um, so that's going to be a big thing. That's going to be a huge yeah. thing. And them dealing with that, and I think there's no – you can't not have – I mean Spider-Man and Daredevil already have cross paths. Like they basically know each other, so it mm-hmm. it, it would make sense. I mean I guess, I guess Matt has technically forgot <laughs> Peter because of the whole mind mind wipe the world thing but uh peter knows him so who knows what's gonna happen so he might be able to seek him out as a lawyer and then come to discover you know whatever but this isn't a spider-man or a daredevil discussion we're talking about echo here let's let's getting off the topic sorry let's let's shift back to oklahoma for a few more minutes before we go into our top fives um Fisk does leave New York after Maya plants a bomb on his train. He decides to come to her once he finds out where she is. And there's a there's a big confrontation that happens um, at the skating rink. And then uh, he like kind of corners her at uh, at her house. And she comes very, very close to joining him. And she also comes very, very close to killing him. And I and I think that dynamic is one that's very interesting because he is probably the closest thing to family that she still has that's like actually wanting to spend time with her that's actually seeking her out and and then he's also the closest thing she has to an enemy and so it's a it's a very interesting dynamic between the two of them and it was it was really interesting seeing them have that dinner in the home in particular because of that um what do you call it augmented reality where he puts the little lens in her eye and she can see signs and then he can hear whatever she's signing to him i i don't know if that technology actually exists but i kind of hope it does because that would be like one of the next big steps in being able to to communicate with people um but she also makes a really good point that he couldn't be bothered to try to learn sign language himself. All he did was go buy a program. So uh, the dynamic between the two of them is just so tense and so good. Yeah, it's I this show. I mean, it just ups the ad, like perfectly encapsulates like and especially that episode and those couple episodes are just like the absolute just psychotic nature of of Kingpin. Of just like this guy, and you're always watching it. Like I said, I've been watching Daredevil, and like every scene he's in, he's always talking low and and very reserved. And all that stuff. You're waiting for that moment. You're waiting for the moment. Like <laughs> recent episode of Daredevil, I watched this. It, you know, there, he's having a, he's across the table with from Matt Murdock, and then he just blows up and just starts grabbing and throwing him around. And like you know, it's it's just like you live for the moments where he just lashes out. But then it's these calm moments. That are like him trying to portray this sense of control, this sense of normalcy, and then you're you're like, oh yeah, I I I brought wine, I brought these things, I you, you still like those cookies I used to get from the Circuit Bakery, and so it's like, like mm-hmm. dude, dude, she shot you in the face, she tried to kill you, you are a psychopath, and it's just like he his reality is just something he always knows what he wants, and he just tries to go after it. And I, that's why I love the character so much. I think we all, it's why we all love the character. It's just his, just that he's in his own world and he yeah. doesn't get it. And he doesn't, he's very sensitive, but he doesn't, he can't wrap his mind around like trying to be sensitive to her. 
and just like even learning literally her language. He won't do it. He just mm-hmm. he, he doesn't take the time to it. And getting these special little uh, eye eye things is just crazy. He he originally was paying for an ASL translator and then just having them assassinated after the conversations were done. <laughs> oh my god. And and now he decides to just go ahead and pay for the technology to be able to have the conversations in private instead of like a little one-time rental. It's like supposed to be a big payment, kind of like a rental car versus buying a car. It's like instead of renting it and returning it, you just pay for it once and it's yours. But uh, it still didn't go over very well. And and you're right. He He's very focused and he's very determined and he knows what he wants and he tries to go after it. And that mid credit scene makes you wonder, you know, if he's actually going to be successful in what he is going after next. Um, but we we do need to do our top fives tonight, too. And we're already like over a half hour into our one hour long conversation. So I've there's so I've much to talk about in this show. I know there is there's there's a lot of really good stuff. But the, the finale talks or, or shows us rather um, basically Maya's ancestry her lineage and how she um descends from the very first choctaw and she is able to use those inherited powers to not only defeat fisk but also share some of those powers with her relatives her grandma and her cousin both kind of inherit some of those powers as well and rather than using it to demolish Fisk, I think those powers were definitely strong enough to kill him better than a bullet would even, which is what she tried to do in Hawkeye. But rather than do that, she takes him back to the memory of her, of his father beating his mother. Takes him back to a memory in the hopes of being able to heal that memory. And I I find it interesting that even when she found herself in a position of power, she chose compassion. And I think ultimately that could be something that leads to her downfall. We'll have to watch it because being as ingratiated in her family as she became by the finale and by choosing compassion, by choosing to let Fisk live, I feel like that's going to be a decision that comes back to haunt her. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I mean, and and like ultimately from her point of view, you know, she could kill him, but she kinda already did. Like she did try to kill him. Like it didn't take, obviously, but you know, right. She still went through the motions and she still took out of that aggression on him and it didn't really go anywhere. And it didn't really accomplish anything. And he's still alive and he's still things and like kind of presenting him with you know, using these powers to, like you said, give him compassion, which I think ultimately is this someone maybe finally understanding. Because I think you watch the the Netflix shows, the original Daredevil series, and I think those shows, like, as an audience, makes you pity Kingpin, makes you pity mm-hmm. Wilson Fisk as, like, this oh, yeah. really broken guy, and you see his whole life laid out before you you understand where he's coming from but the characters in the show have no pity for him they see him as this is a psychopath that murders people and you understand where they're coming from but i think ultimately maybe what we learned and maybe just this apply this to real life too and just for guys like people that ultimately do terrible things are are kind of broken 
and they don't need more hate. They don't need more things. Yes, they should be stopped, but ultimately they might just need compassion. They might just need someone to reach out a helping hand to them. And I like that, you know, he obviously is not a fan of what happens to him. He's not a fan of just like being revisiting things, but it's ultimately like, dude, you need therapy. <laughs> you don't need yeah. to be doing all this. You don't need to be mayor of New York. You need to take a chill pill and go to therapy. Well, that's probably the closest thing he's going to get to therapy. But I, I appreciate the fact that she didn't annihilate him. She's still in the in the toughest, most tense moment of the show. In my opinion, she she chose the high road. She chose compassion. She still saw him in some aspect, in some weird, twisted way. She still saw him as her uncle, as the guy that looked out for her, as the guy that beat up the ice cream vendor when she didn't get ice cream after school. Like that's that's who part of him is to her. And. I think that's the side that she chose to embrace. And and I I respect that about her character, about her decision making, about the the process that the storytellers took us through. And the fact that we were able to explore all of that in just five episodes like this is this is a game changer for what Marvel usually does, which is anywhere from eight to ten episodes. Loki is like six, I believe. So like this is the shortest mini series of pretty much any Marvel function we've gotten. And they dropped it all at once to make it bingeable content. It's almost like watching a long movie. If you watch it back to back, like my wife and I did. Yeah, it really is. It's a short ish episode. And I was worried. A lot of people were worried. of just like, okay, what are they doing with this? They're dropping it all at once. Like what this, and I, I in retrospect, I kind of get it. I kind of get like, it kind of all works together. It's kind of a, a bingeable movie, if you will. And mm. it was really enjoyable just to sit down and just kind of one after the other, watch them and, and things. And I, I, you know, I hope that Disney Plus continues this trajectory. I just like, yeah, some shows are going to be week to week. That's great. Other shows, maybe they work better bingeable. And that's fine, too. Um, You know, just putting it down as whatever's good for the particular you know thing so ultimately um i'm happy with what we got i really did enjoy it i i did too the the action sequences weren't over the top we saw kind of a reverse train heist there's been plenty of train heists over over the over the years but to have a reverse train heist where you break in to plant a bomb that's different that's something we haven't seen before and so i i appreciate the newness of it with the new cultures, with the new storytelling, the new location, some of the new set pieces, the new action pieces, some of the new character development, some of the old character development. This this show did a, a really good job, and I think it accomplished what it was set out to do. There's a few comments from Steven Shin during the chat. We'll answer some of those briefly, and then we'll give our ratings out of 10. We still have our top fives that we've got to do on this bonus episode as well, so we do need to kind of um, wind it down. Steven suggests maybe we'll get to see the Punisher trying to hunt down Spider-Man. That would, that would be interesting, although I don't know if I've heard anything about Bernthal returning to the franchise yet. I think he wants to. But I, I don't know if, if he's um, been set out for that. 
And then he asked just a moment ago, how did the pacing feel for you guys? It felt kind of slow at times for me, but then I would see that the episode is almost over. Ben, thoughts on the pacing before we close? I think I think it was a paced about the way I expected. I feel like the pacing was was more in line with the Netflix shows. I'm just like, yeah, it's it's a slow burn. It's not not every you're not getting like normal MCU fare. You're not getting a fist fight every five minutes. It's some so there's a lot of sitting around and talking and kind of taking mm-hmm. in the things. And I, I like that. I liked I like this different take on it. It's not going to be for everyone, though, unfortunately. So, you know, it, it, right. it's it's basically, you know, ultimately, you know, it's 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 this isn't this is a this is not for kids and it's not even for some adults, maybe. No, it probably isn't. But I think kind of like Star Wars and Star Trek, not every Marvel series is supposed to be for everybody. Exactly. Uh, I'm sure there are some people out there that really, really loved Loki season two, and I was kind of met on it. And I'm sure that there were some people out there that really, really love Falcon and Winter Soldier, and I was kind of so-so on it. And so, like, it's not supposed to be for everybody. And I know it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but I think you're spot on with the uh, assessment that it's more along the lines of Netflix. And by releasing all of the episodes together, if you have pacing issues with one, just watch the next one. I, I think... I would have a bigger concern with it if it had been released weekly. I think there were there were certain episodes that may have had pacing issues. And if we had to wait a week in order to see what happens next, I think the retention would have dropped significantly in a couple of episodes. But by releasing them all at once, you get to keep the retention. You have to you get to keep people's attention and say, okay, maybe that episode wasn't for me, but I'm going to keep going because it's only five and they're all right here in front of me. So I'm just going to ride this out and see where it takes me. That is very much the Netflix storytelling format. And if they tried to tell a Netflix storytelling format with weekly episodic releases, then it doesn't work. But because they release them all at once, I think it works better. Oh, yeah, I think. Yeah, the, that's that's the bane of like like I prefer the week to week to thing. But when it comes to discourse, it's uh, it can be bad in that case of just like because you get one episode and then like people will complain about something for a week and then the, the thing they were complaining about gets rectified in the next episode. It's like if it was bingeable, then there's there's no complaints. <laughs> right, right. And and honestly, you 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 would know better than I because I haven't watched daredevil episodes recently but there are daredevil episodes that have pacing issues where there's not a whole lot of fighting and it's a lot of talking it's a lot of flashbacking it's a lot of you know depth building and world building and and character building and whatnot and then that episode ends on some sort of maybe little cliffhanger or whatever and then it picks up with action from that cliffhanger of the previous episode and you get to watch those things back to back Whereas if it was released weekly, I don't think that little cliffhanger in the final 30 seconds would have been enough to make me want to come back next week. Yeah, there, so, I think there's a lot of shows that I feel like there's very few shows where I'm engaged with every single plot line and scene mm-hmm. and, and everything and every character equally. There's some things that I'm like. Okay, I'm not feeling this flashback sequence. I'm just not feeling it. Right. I don't like the storyline. I wish we just move past it. And it helps when they devote a whole episode to 
things. I think there's, I think in season three of, of Daredevil, there's a whole thing. There's a whole flashback episode with Karen Page. I don't think it was my favorite personally. I think a lot of people were kind of not favorite, but it's, it's bingeable. You could just, you, you could just, you can just run through that episode. And then there's the next episode that's basically normal fare. It's, you know, the binge format does help with those type of scenarios of, uh, right. you know, if you're not engaged with something, you know, you can kind of just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. Um, let's do, let's do like 30 to 60 seconds, final thoughts and yep. our rating out of 10 for echo. Cause we do have top fives to read. That was the other half of this, uh, one hour episode and we're already approaching 47 minutes. So <laughs> we, we talked Keep about echo a lot more, a lot more than I thought we would, which is good. There's a lot to talk about. Um, but what are your final thoughts on echo as a series? Okay. So my final thoughts on echo is it's great. I say watch it. If you haven't watched it already, I think it's one of the best Marvel series to date. Um, I don't think it's super rewatchable for me, but I think it's certainly a show that I really appreciated. I like the characters. I would love to see a season two. It captured the tone and the feel and the brutality and everything in the writing of the original Daredevil Defenders universe better than anything we've seen in Disney Plus so far. So I... Are we giving these things plan scores? Are we doing that? Should I give it a, give it a score? I'll give it I'll give it a I'll we give it can. an eight I'll give it a, I'll give it an eight point five out of ten if we're giving a score. You know it's funny. That's the number I had in my mind already. <laughs> we 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 didn't we didn't plan that out. We're I think we're just on a on a really similar wavelength. Like we do yes, share there are some point. pace. We do we should. Um, I do feel like there are probably some pacing issues, Stephen, and I do feel like that its tone and and its action and such. May not be for everybody. Um, I definitely feel like there are going to be some xenophobes that don't care for how much native representation are on display in this series. And that's unfortunate because I think it's a really great way to expose people to cultures that they've never experienced before. And even people like myself who live two hours away from it, like I said, I got to learn more um, through a, a you know fictional show set in a fictional town than any research or even any history book that I remember reading when I was in high school, you know, and, and that's kind of a sad commentary on the American education system, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, but it was enlightening and it was respectful and it was action packed and it had good character depth and development. And th th there was just so many things about it that I felt like were well done. And so I think the pros definitely outweigh the cons. I think it's definitely more in line with the way that the Netflix series went for um, several of those shows. Um, and I, I definitely have more hope for shows like Daredevil Born Again now based on what I observed from Echo. So, yeah, I, I would give it an eight and a half out of ten as well. Excellent. All right. Well, maybe we can get this done in the next uh, 20 to 30 minutes. I don't think it's going to be an hour long episode like we were originally planning, but that's OK. Well, I um, got look one thing's for sure. I have my list now. It took me that entire it took my that entire discussion <laughs> to get it. So I have that. So at least we can run through our lists. Yes, we can for sure. Um, I'm going to use a Vulture article that I posted in the Intergalactic Peace Hangout to highlight some of the things that are expected in 2024 the new season of emily and perry is coming out at some point there's a disney plus show called eyes of wakanda that are coming out we do know um when the bad batch is coming out at the 
premiere of this article, we did not. Skeleton Crew is expected this year. Tales of the Jedi Season 2 is expected this year. The final season of The Umbrella Academy is expected. Season 2 of that 90s show is expected at some point on Netflix. Uh, The X-Men 97 series is coming to Disney+. Plus. Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is expected to come to Disney+. Plus. There's going to be The Acolyte. There's going to be Tomb Raider, The Legend of Lara Croft. Um, wow. there's going to, there's, there's, yeah, there's definitely a lot that's coming out. Um, the bear season three is coming to FX. There's also going to be Dune prophecy coming to HBO. Uh, Agatha, that series is coming out, uh, at some point this, uh, this year, there's no timetable set for that either. The third season of Bridgerton, which is one of my wife's favorite shows is coming to Netflix in May. Um, there's a new season of Grey's Anatomy, there's going to be um, a, a new season of a uh, Netflix dating show called Love is Blind. That's another favorite of my wife's. Um, the Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live is something that's coming out uh, this year. Season two of Halo is coming out this year. Um, the, I believe, final season of Curb Your Enthusiasm is supposed to be coming out this year. So there's a lot of new shows that are coming out but then there's also a lot of stuff that is uh returning this year so um let's read a few of the lists that uh were sent to us in the intergalactic peace hangout and then we will do uh, a run through of our lists let me see who we've got that actually submitted a full five andrew submitted a five joey submitted five peter submitted five did robin submit five or just a just a couple of things here and there i'm trying to see uh, um, who actually gave us a full five yeah he i think he did at least three or four things <laughs> here's okay steven sent in a full five we've got the full steven essay okay um let me see what we can run through really quickly here um Robin Glader says, aside from the Star Wars shows, which I'm obviously excited for, I don't really have a good idea on what's supposed to come out. A big one that I was excited for was Reacher Season 2, but that already came out. It was another good season. Um, Looking forward to The Old Man Season 2. Season 1 was excellent. And then I believe at another point in the conversation, Robin mentioned excitement for the new series of Doctor Who as well. Uh, longtime listener Kenny said that Superman and Lois season four is like the biggest thing that he's looking forward to, but didn't really give us much outside of that. Um, but he did say that this is his favorite modern live action adaptation of Superman since Smallville and the Donnerverse Superman films. So that's pretty high praise for Superman and Lois. And correct me if I'm wrong, but is that season the final season and that's going to be it for CW DC shows? I think that is it. I'm pretty sure season four is the final season and thus the uh, maybe perhaps the end of DC on CW as we know it. That's crazy. That is crazy. Which is kind of sad if I'm being honest, because as someone who had had a mixed feelings about that whole shebang, um, I was super, super big fan of the Arrowverse. I'm sad to see it come to an end. Man, I I kind of got into fandom thanks to shows like like Arrow. Same. I mean, so, really, that was that was I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be as big of a DC fan now if it hadn't been for those and like getting into the minutia of those shows. It was great. Yeah. So it's it's the end of an era for sure. But 
Hopefully it'll lead to other arrows because Peacemaker was really good on HBO. Yeah. So yeah. And, and I, apparently we're getting season two of that at some point. I don't know how they're going to fit it in with the new continuity, some, but it's happening. Some point. I don't um, I don't really know when that's coming, though. So it's not on my list and it's not really on any of the articles that I saw either. So I think we're probably looking at 2025 for that. And honestly, 25 is going to be uh, a big year as well, because that's when we're going to get the final season of Stranger Things. And that's when we're going to get um the new season of wednesday so there's there's gonna be a lot of stuff coming out next year as well too right yeah yeah big i mean tv just keeps on going it's not any seasons anymore it's just like it just anything comes things come out any time of the year now it's wild Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. okay okay i have a strategy here i have a strategy here we can get through these pretty quickly okay so i'm gonna take andrews you get joey's and then i'll hit steven's and then you br- you follow up with Peters at the end. So we'll, we'll just we'll just alternate back and forth then. Alternate. Let's do this. Let's so, do it. Um, let's run through this real quick. Let's go with Andrew Haley, our good friend. He says number five, Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. I didn't even know that was coming out this year. Uh, uh, uh number four, The Bad Batch season three. Number three. The Acolyte, number two, Cobra Kai season six. I believe that's the final season of that show, too. And then uh, number one, Hot D, actually, House of the Dragon season two. Hot damn. (laughs) Hot D. Um, it's a really good list because it, it's a, it's a blend of uh, animated and reality. It's it's a blend oh, of yeah. different platforms. Um, I didn't know Rings of Power was was coming either. Honestly, after the way season one went, I'm surprised that it got renewed because their 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 retention. That's one of the biggest examples of audience retention drop off. There were like 10 million plus that saw the first episode of the first two episodes. And by the finale, it was like a million or less. So like that bell curve just slumped by the finale. It was awful. So hopefully they'll find a better way to retain their audiences for season two. Um, But yeah, there's a couple of series finales on there because the Bad Batch is the final season and then uh, Cobra Kai is the final season. So there's there's a good mix on there. Thank you for sending that in, Andrew, in such clear and concise order. Joey, longtime supporter, longtime listener, longtime friend, longtime great guy, sends in a really good list. But one of his submissions he's questioning. We'll get to that. At number five, he's got Animal Control, which is that comedy show on Fox with Joel McHale. I've been meaning to try it. I'm glad to see that it is getting either a continuation of its season or it's getting a second season. He doesn't really specify. At number four, we got Ghosts. At number three, the Apple TV series Masters of the Air. I've been seeing promotions for this. It's out, or at least the first couple of episodes are out. I want to try that out, too looks really, really good. It reminds me of um, Flyboys, 2013's movie Flyboys, but like with a bigger budget. Um, (laughs) At number two, we've got Star Wars Skeleton Crew, and this is where he's questioning himself. He's like, I think we will get this in 2024, question mark. And then at number one, The Bad Batch. Surprise, surprise. This this show's got a lot of Star Wars fans on it. There's going to be a lot of Star Wars-centric stuff that gets mentioned. <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay. Based on okay. what you know, are we getting Skeleton Crew this year? Um Honestly, I thought I did, but then I heard something the other day and I was like, not sure anymore. <laughs> so um oh, they man. they have said officially that it's happening in twenty twenty four. So I'm banking on that, but as with man, anything, it might be especially like especially Star Wars, who knows? 
it might be like December. It'll be like the very first episode premieres like the final week or the final two weeks of December or something. It's like, hey, it did come out in 2024. Technically, like the the same thing they did with with Book of Boba. Like they they were like, oh, yeah, this is coming out in 2021. And it came out like the last day of 2021. Um, I love how it's like Book of Boba Fett 2021. It's like, no, the rest of the most of the episodes came out in 2022. What are you talking about? It's ridiculous. Um, Anyway, we have to get into Steven Schindler's right now and i'm gonna do it in all one breath okay all one breath i'm not gonna breathe one breath so here we go in three two one i feel like i know less about tv coming out this year than i did about previous years i thought about including the second halves of invincible season two and chucky season three since they're doing the weird release format but as a but as i managed to figure out enough shows seasons that aren't already underway. Surprisingly, no comic book shows on this top five. Spoiler. I guess I feel some of will be more of the same, but I'm not, just not caught up yet on post-series finale, The Walking Dead spinoffs, to feel like I've what's coming up in a top priority yet. Parentheses, though I have been rereading, re, rereading the comic series, end parentheses, uh, honorable mention to Jurassic World Chaos Theory. God, I forgot about that too, um, which seems like it could be what I wanted after the ending of Fallen Kingdom. And hopefully we can reunite the Jurassic Boys to talk about it anyway. Here's my top five in a particular order. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, number five, Cobra Kai, season six. I think this comes out this year, question mark. Season five honestly could have been constructed as the end of the show, but they left a couple threads dangling that needs to be resolved. This will be the final season of a surprisingly great follow-up to the Karate Kid movies. It really shows how a next-generation story should be done, managing to balance the focus on both the familiar adults and newer young characters perfectly. Uh, And he also says number four. Curb Your Enthusiasm, season 12. I honestly wasn't sure if there would be another season, but this would be indeed be the last one. It's surprising that the show has lasted this long and with sensitivity towards certain things becoming more prevalent. Hopefully the show can go out on a high note. Uh, his number three is Star Trek Prodigy. I think this also comes out this year. We know when Discovery's final season comes out, and I'm keen on watching that as I enjoy it. And it's the first Trek show I watched as it aired. But I got to appreciate how the show managed to find a home on Netflix and it will continue to see the journey of these characters. I even watched season one over the holidays and got emotional again from the ending. Number two, Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> My Everything's blurring together here. Um, number two, Star Wars The Bad Batch season three. I guess the Acolyte and Skeletal Crew might also come out this year. While I do appreciate that this might explore new characters and areas of the franchise which star wars on screen is so desperately needs it's really neat it's really tough to gauge at the moment how good they might end up being i might be in the minority but i thought the bad batch improved with season two i did have concerns with from season three trailer but we're assured quickly that it would somehow still align with a certain book i just hope they really mean really mean it and that we won't have the series premiere situation all over again in any case i'm really curious to see where the fates of the squad members will be and also whether the republic commandos will get anything substantial to do and then number one doctor who series one slash series 14 slash series 40 whatever you want to call it the 15 doctor thus far seems so much fun 
and I can't imagine watching him in the giggle in the church on Ruby Road and not being excited about this era. I've seen the comments, but it just doesn't compute with me. This is the first time the Doctor has really felt young and free from some of their burdens, but also appreciate that they're still dealing with the revelations and consequences from the 13th Doctor's era. 15 and Ruby seem to be the great team, so I'm going to try and enjoy the dynamic for as long as I can. While this isn't the first person of color to play the Doctor, it's so greatly to find finally had that happen with a man ongoing numbered doctor end quote thank you so much steven how many breaths was that i feel like it had to have been more than one no just one just one i didn't breathe <laughs> you're you're very long-winded <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm good i'm good i'm good i'm good deep i'll survive deep breaths my friend get my it's oxygen after this steven. It's a great list. Maybe what we need to do is have like a Steven Schinder voicemail so that all we have to do is hit play instead of keep reading it. We take voicemails, too. We do do that. I know we don't advertise it, but we we, we do have a we do have a we do take that. Okay, we have an email somewhere and you can send us a voicemail. Or just try to send it on like a like a Google Drive document or something. Who knows? <laughs> but it would save him from having to type and save us from having to be so long winded. Maybe we forward, need to so. have an IPC blog with a with a guest segment. Every that would be every cool. Month. That would be cool. I mean, technically, the Peace Hangout is supposed to be like a message board, but I sure. digress. Uh, so Cobra Kai, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Prodigy, Star Wars, Bad Batch, and Doctor Who. That is a very diverse list. And it and it's Uber a great numbers. one. I would ex- I, w- I would expect nothing less from Stephen. Um, so that that is a great list. Thanks for sending that in. Uh, last list from the listeners, and then we'll get to ours. Comes from Peter Miller. Honorable mentions: Severance season two, Shogun, and Lord of the Rings: Rings of Power season two. Dune Prophecy checks in at number five. Doctor Who series fourteen checks in at number four. The Acolyte at number three. Season two of Arcane is supposed to come out this year. And then at number one, Star Trek Discovery Season 5. So uh, Discovery, that is its final season. And then we've got some some new stuff like The Acolyte. And then we've got some continuations uh, like Doctor Who, where it just it, so many different iterations. Um, but I am really looking forward to, to, to this version. Because um, m- much like Steven, there is, there is a lot of new to be excited about. And uh, that combination of 15 and Ruby does look great Um, by saying, I'm going to enjoy that dynamic for as long as I can. It's already been confirmed that Ruby is only going to be in one series and then they'll be moving on to somebody else. But uh, the next companion has some star Wars ties. So I'm not going to complain too much because um, who we, who we get next uh, did a fantastic job on Andor and, um, I'm guessing Andor is not coming out this year. It's going to have to be sometime next year because of the strikes, isn't it? Yes, they have. Well, they haven't said that it's coming out next year, but they've they've just not mentioned it. They keep talking about Bad Batch, <laughs> Skeleton Crew, and Acolyte, and they're Andor is noticeably absent from the 2024 schedule. So we're assuming it's not happening. Right. Plus, yes, the strike has infected it. I think it just finished filming, so. A lot's gonna happen. Happen, I think, for it to happen. It may, maybe it'll come out December 31st. Maybe I would love that, but um, <laughs> um, we'll just have to see. But yeah, 
Varada Sethu, oh my goodness. Yeah, she was she was great as Cinta in Andor, and I uh, cannot wait to see because she's uh, playing completely different type of role in Doctor Who. Um, it's sad mm-hmm. to see it's sad to see uh, uh, Millie Gibson leave so soon, but not unprecedented for you know a companion or even a Doctor to stick around for one season. Only be around for a series. Yeah, that's true. It happens. That is true. Alrighty, well, we're into the home stretch, and we're only five minutes overdue, so maybe this won't be a super long bonus episode, but let's go ahead and get into our honorable mentions for the shows that we are anticipating, the series, the seasons, whatever we want to call it, um, the television slate that we are most excited for for 2024. Ben, what have you got for honorable mention? Okay, so my honorable mentions go like this, um, uh, I and I leave – Two of these are on my list because I'm not sure if they're coming out this year. Um, first one is The Rings of Power Season 2. I I was one of those weirdos who really, really, really enjoyed the first season of Rings of Power. I watched it all the way through. They did not lose my retention. And it was genuinely one, I think one of my favorite series of recent memory and just just gorgeous gorgeous series i think it was so brilliant yes i think maybe it drug a little bit in the middle i think maybe people that really aren't into this stuff were kind of like lost towards the middle and towards the end but i thought it really ended strong and i think it's got a lot of potential i hope it can get the audience back for season two i think it's genuinely one of the best looking shows and one of the most just groundbreaking shows i think we've had in a long time the other one i'll mention is a show that i know nothing about i never played the games i know nothing about this franchise but as i said i'm a bit of a a a fiend for post-apocalyptic stuff fallout is a show that i saw the trailer for and i'm like that looks good it's got freaking walton goggins in it is a dude without a nose and there's all kinds of crazy stuff happening i don't know what's going on but i might have to give it a watch because it's just it's caught my fancy caught my interest and if you know – if there's a Star Wars show in my honorable mentions, you know there's a lot of Star Wars happening this year, um, and Skeleton Crew is one of my honorable mentions, mostly because I – it and Rings of Power, I'm wondering if they're going to come out this year. I Genuinely at this point, there's no set release mm-hmm. date. I've mm-hmm. heard Skeleton Crew has – this has been – I've been hearing both publicly and privately that Skeleton Crew is having some major, major production issues. Um, to the point okay. where I'm not sure it's going to be ready. I'm not sure it's going to be ready this year, but I would love to be wrong. I would love to see it because genuinely the things – I think it's also the fact that I just don't know much about it. They, It's the show that's been – we've talked about the least so far. Like we know right. it's a bunch of kids, and it's Jude Law, and it's in the Mandoverse era. Like we don't know much about it, so like it's hard for me to get excited about it when – we know so much about the acolyte. We've seen a trailer for the Bad Batch. You know, there's a lot of stuff to be excited about in Star Wars. We, we, and there's so many things we know about in Star Wars. Skeleton Crew is kind of like, what's that gonna be? So it is in my honorable mentions. But um, who knows? Uh, if they drop a trailer next week, I could have a completely different list here. That's fair. It's very fair. Um, that's the only reason it's really not on any of my lists because I'm with you that I have my doubts that it's even happening this year. And honestly, there's a lot of uh there's a lot of stuff in my honorable mentions that i really don't have a whole lot of confidence in them happening this year or uh, i just don't have as much confidence in them as the stuff that's in my top five and everything from my honorable mentions comes from one universe all of them whoa Um, yeah i've got i've got 
technically four honorable mentions, maybe like three and a half, because I really don't expect this last one to to be happening. Um, I I have been reading articles that say it's very possible that Star Trek Lower Decks season five could be happening sometime this year. And so um, it's an animated series. As long as they get the recording done, it shouldn't be too hard to put together and roll out sometime in the fall. But it hasn't been officially confirmed. It's only been confirmed they're getting a new season. They just haven't said when. So Lower Deck Season 5 is something that's on my radar. Prodigy is something that's on my radar. Um, Discovery Season 5 is happening this year. And I'm intrigued for it. I'm just more intrigued for stuff that's also in my top five. So it's like if I was making a top six, Discovery would be like my number six. And then kind of on the outside looking in, I really don't think it's going to happen, but I'm a big, big fan of the series and I'm crossing my fingers and toes that maybe I don't have to wait until 2025 for, but I feel like I really do is going to be strange new world season three. I I feel like it's a spring based show. And so they are recording now and then they'll spend the rest of the year doing post-production and then it'll roll out sometime early in 2025. But I'm hoping that they'll get it done sooner than that. They've already finished filming on episode three just recently. So they've only got seven more episodes to go plus post-production. So who knows? Maybe we'll get it at some point this year, but I don't think we will. So pretty much everything in my honorable mentions, Discovery Season 5, Lower Deck Season 5, Prodigy, and Strange New Worlds. Those are all my honorable mentions. Fair enough. A lot of, a lot of Star Trek to be excited about. Yeah, I, I love that there's that much Star Trek to be speculating about, but uh, who knows how much of it we're actually going to get this year. So that's why they're all kind of my outliers, but I'm definitely going to have Discovery Season 5 on my radar just because it's the final season. Curious to see how they wrap all of that up. Indeed, indeed. All right, on to our number five. Should I, should, should I go first? First, I suppose so. And I'll say that my number five is one that... I genuinely forgot about it. Okay, I'm ashamed to say. I'm ashamed to say I forgot about it. Thanks to Stephen for reminding me that this existed, um, because my number five is one that I am genuinely so excited for. But there's others that are more. I'm more excited for it. But it's it's Jurassic World Chaos Theory. Okay, they just announced it. They had a trailer for it. I was huge fan. We're all huge fans of Camp Cretaceous. Very much, kind of a dream sequel to that series. I think. That show was so well done in regards to kind of how it progressed its characters and how it ended. And I think if you watch that kind of epilogue at the end of Camp Cretaceous, you're like, there's a show here. They could actually do mm-hmm. something with it. This is this is mm-hmm. an interesting, fertile storytelling ground to kind of take this forward and do something interesting with these characters. And it really seems like they're doing it. It seems like they're they're going forward with this. And um, so that's what's really got me intrigued. I'm just like, okay. Where could this go from here? Ultimately, I am so excited for this. Apparently, it is coming in 2024 because some of these shows – that's the problem. Is some of these shows, they just like – it's given either a – they know it's finished filming or finished production, and they're like they don't know when it's coming out or it's been given like a, a roundabout 2024 release date. And then sometimes mm-hmm. it's getting get pushed back, whatever. So it's really hard to find a show that's like it's definitely coming out this year because so many things get flown around. But this one has been given a official 2024 release date. So hopefully within the next few months we get another trailer with a release date. We'll actually know when it's coming out on Netflix. But there, my number five. Well, I'm I'm excited for it as well. But uh, 
I've got a different number five than you, unfortunately. All but right, I feel like right. I feel like I feel like my number five is going to be a a different number than um on your list. So we're we're kind of like on similar frequencies, just going to have different numbers for it. Um, my number five is the acolyte. I've always wanted oh. to see something that is pre episode one, but not as far back as Kotor. And acolyte feels like it's going to be that sweet spot for me. And it's got some characters in it, some actors in it that I'm familiar with from shows like Squid Game and The Hunger Games. And so there's going to be some familiarity to it, but also some completely original storytelling with some completely new and original characters that is going to be interesting to follow. And I feel most confident about Acolyte coming out in 2024 compared to some of the other shows that have been discussed. And so... Um, I'm intrigued by it. I'm hopeful for it. I'm looking forward to what it has to offer and what kind of parts of the Star Wars universe uh, it's going to help us explore. But there's also a lot that is kind of unknown about it. So I'm not going to put it super high on my list, but it is something that I'm looking forward to. So Acolyte at number five. Great choice. I am too really, really excited for Acolyte. And just the fact that it's it's a we know more about it, but we still don't know that much about it. And it's it's very intriguing. You're just like, okay, what is this show really going to be? And uh, I've seen that potato quality version of the trailer online. Yeah, so have I. And uh, yeah, if you've seen that, you're like, okay, what what the hell is this? What are we in mm-hmm. for? Mm-hmm. Very true. Great. So I think it's up for my number four now? Up to four, yes, sir. All right, so my number four was in your notable mentions. And but it's a show that, like Steven, uh, it was the first Star Trek series that I really watched as it was airing. And it was one that really, I think, fully introduced me to Star Trek TV and then introduced me to the the wonderful, wonderful Strange New Worlds, which I'm I, you you remind me like ah, I, I, I'm hoping that comes out this year. It's probably not because it was held up by the strike and all this kind of stuff. But I would love it because I love Strange New Worlds probably more than Discovery at this point. But I really do have a special place in my heart for discovery and we're getting the final season season five this year definitely and uh yeah i'm i'm really i'm I'm sad to see the show go but i'm also glad it's not going to overstate as welcome i'm hoping they have a really nice satisfying season five final season to go out on so ultimately really intrigued i've liked what the show's done so far i was one of those people that's like wow what's this show doing pre pre tos all this kind of stuff and then it it did the things that it did. It did the time travel shenanigans, <laughs> and uh, I could not have been more pleased and spent a lot of great characters, and I cannot wait to see where it goes and what it sets up because we are farther in the timeline, I think, than we've ever been in Star Trek. So where it ends could be something where some other series could pick up from where it left off. And I think also they're doing the Section 31 thing with Michelle mm-hmm. Yeoh, so that's happening. I think as of today they finished – they started filming on it so uh yeah a lot to look forward to but season five is uh, my number four yeah i'm i am looking forward to that i like like you said i want to see resolution i want to see it conclude um in in a way that doesn't make it feel like it's being canceled but in in certain behind the scenes forums and conversations that i've seen um they're calling it the final season but i think they actually had like two more seasons worth of stories that they wanted to tell. Mm. So it's, it's being prematurely concluded um, behind closed doors, as they're saying. 
but I'm I'm still excited to see how they how they tie up all those loose ends like you mentioned. So there's there's definitely a lot to look forward to there. And uh it's one that my dad and I both um keep tabs on. So I think one of the things that I'm looking forward to about it is the communal aspect of being able to watch it and then talk about it with my dad when we see each other in person. We don't necessarily watch the episodes together in person, but we definitely have things to to talk about when we when we like go over for dinner or whatever and so um i'm looking forward to like the the conversational aspect of it as well indeed my number four is one that's most likely going to be higher up on your list i feel very very certain that this is going to be higher up on yours but i've just got some other things that are higher up than mine bad batch season three I grew up on the Clone Wars. I have really enjoyed Bad Batch being a continuation of it. The storytelling, the animation, the continuation, uh, the the development of the crew, the team, the you know everything about it. It's had its issues. I'm, I'm not going to say that it's a perfect show, but the cliffhanger that they left us on at the end of season two, the fact that we're getting a resolution to that in a very dramatic way that it might have ties to other series. There's just a lot about it to, uh, to anticipate. And I know that it's going to be discussion fodder for a lot of really great star Wars podcasts out there, including yours, Ben. And so uh, I'm just, I'm really looking forward to how it all wraps up and what kind of, lasting impressions it'll make in the star wars universe as it tries to tie up its loose ends yeah and uh you are correct in assuming that uh it's higher up on my list because it's my number three (laughs) aha look at that segue um yes i am you know i i've talked at length about how I've had mixed feelings about Bad Batch because, you know, I felt season one was so strong and especially like, I, I think I said the other, we talked about the other day, how like it, like judging by just the series premieres and finales, I think it's one of the best Star Wars shows. Um, it's dragged a little bit in the middle. I think season two dragged a little bit and didn't know where it was going, but I think this new season has so much momentum behind it. I think that, that, that cliffhanger obviously gave it a lot of momentum and this new trailer is looks wonderful and looks like it's going to really end on a high note. So yeah, it's, it's a show that it's up there. It kind of moved up my list the past couple weeks, having watched that trailer a few times and being like, okay, this is, this is top tier. And yes, it's playing on those clone wars, nostalgia that I have deep down inside my heart. And, uh, you know, they, they, these, these, uh, Filoni and, and Corbett and all these people, they, they know how to get to my heart. So, um, yes, it is definitely up there. It's a middle, middle of the pack for me in regards to, uh, my most anticipated TV shows of the year. I, I thought it would be kind of in the two to three region if I, if I had to have guessed, but what's funny is there are certain pieces of social media that are basically just calling it, uh, Clone Wars season 10 and, if you if you think about it that way, it's actually kind of cool to think that something that started all the way back in in 2008 is still leaving an impression on the culture in 2024 like that. That in and of itself, even though it goes by a different name to have 16 years of longevity is 
incredible for any show. And so um, I'm I'm proud of what Lucas Animation has has made and done with these two shows. And uh, hopefully those animators can keep their job and just work on another great Star Wars project in the not too distant future. Yeah, that's that's what I'm most intrigued by. I'm just like, okay, now that we're getting this and it's ending, what comes next? I must know. Resistance season three. (laughs) (laughs) We shall see. We shall see. You never know. (laughs) Okay, moving on to my number three. Um, It's something that was mentioned previously, and I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Uh, Jurassic World Chaos Theory. Mm-hmm. is my number mm-hmm. three i i loved camp cretaceous a lot more than i expected to i i was very very pleasantly surprised by the storytelling and the action and the intrigue and the mystery and the drama of it all it was it was very swiss family robinson meets gilligan's island meets jurassic park and it was awesome and it and it was so so fun and to uh to take that epilogue and run with it and I know our friend Star Raptor's excited about it as well because he's always wanted to see the stuff that takes place between when the dinosaurs are released in Fallen Kingdom and what we end up dealing with in Dominion. And I feel like following Darius and the gang as grown-ups, as young adults, in the aftermath of Fallen Kingdom is exactly going to scratch the itch that so many of us have been hoping for. And so I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what chaos theory can do and what it brings to the table. And uh, I was thankfully reminded of it so that I could rearrange my five. But uh, it's definitely something that I'm I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it, it, see, see, Stephen, he just comes in and just wrecks our fives every time. He just he just, he just swoops in and things we should have remembered earlier. Plans. Yeah. Well, there's not a whole lot of articles that are talking about them. Like that Vulture article doesn't mention it at all. And so yeah, it just, I think some just articles kind of I think mind. are 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 kind of focused on new series. They're like, oh, premieres. And I'm like and we like specifically open it up to like, right. well, anything like if it's a returning series, whether it's a f- final season, like anything goes because it's still on TV in 2024. Right. Well. Yep, that's that's my number three. On to our silver medals and our gold medals. We're at an hour 24, so this is definitely a longer bonus episode than we were expecting it to be. Two more, and that's thanks. it. Nothing else, okay? We're, we're, thanks for your patience, everybody. Yeah, we're almost it's, done. Well, you're getting, a, you're getting an extra bonus episode tonight. You're getting a super bonus. Super, super bonus. Okay, my number two. I think considering my recent personality change, I think it shouldn't be a surprise. And it kind of surprised me, honestly. Um, but um, Doctor Who, the a new new series, as as uh, Stephen so eloquently put it, um, season one, series 14. What well, you know, did series however many um, there's so many different things, because I think Disney Plus is actually going to be calling it season one, even though it's definitely not season one. Um, I've been so enamored with Doctor Who. I've been rewatching old Tenet episodes to get caught up on all the stuff that I missed, but I've also really enjoyed just watching the new stuff. And uh, I, was, I was really disappointed after the Christmas special. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm ready. Like, watch this first Christmas episode. It was great. I'm like, OK, more more of this. And they're like, oh, it's coming out in like March. I'm like, what? <laughs> 
what is this madness? Doctor Who just ripping things away from you, just playing with your emotions, and I can't take these huge weights between episodes. Um, but um, yeah, I think it's going to be worth the wait. I think the little trailers they've shown have been great. Uh, Shudi Gatwa is just amazing as the Doctor, and unfortunately, even though Millie Gibson is apparently only going to be around for one season, apparently, maybe she'll be alongside the new, maybe there'll be two companions, I don't know, but like, I uh, I really like her, she's amazing, I think her chemistry with him was great, and so, yeah, series, whatever, next of Doctor Who is my number two. I wish I could get back into the Hooniverse, I really do. Um, I'm going to watch the tenant stuff because tenant was my favorite doctor still is. So when I get the opportunity, I'm going to go back and, and at least watch the specials. So I'm, I, I like, maybe that'll be the thing that draws me back in. It's just, it's been so long for me, man. I, I didn't watch anything of the previous doctor and I trailed off in the middle of Capaldi and I just, I feel like there may be too much for me to get caught up on but maybe i can just kind of cherry pick some of the things that i watch and maybe it'll catch me back up and if it doesn't then okay that's fine at least i got to see david tennant david tennant again for a couple episodes and then i move on so it really feels like these new episodes were kind of tailor-made for people who not only are like new to doctor who but also people that just kind of fall off the bandwagon it feels like a reset point and really shooting the dynamic between shooting gatwa and millie gibson reminds me of the the ninth doctor rose tyler dynamic like he has he has he has nine energy to me like he has this just this exuberance that is so bad he's not bogged down with all the stuff that he she has been dealing with for so many years mm-hmm. um so it's really it feels like a reset point that christmas special especially felt like just like okay this is a breath of fresh air this is something completely new it's not trying to fill you in all this kind of stuff it's a brand new start you can jump right on it and just go with it and go into the new season and not have known anything before who knows a lot of my attention is on a lot of different things and baseball season is about to pick up for me so i'm about to be doing a whole bunch of baseball games in a very short amount of time. So we'll see just how much time I've got to dedicate towards TV at all. But uh, that's neither here nor there, nor enough time for us to talk about on this bonus episode. That's basically a regular episode at the length we're going to Um, on to my number two. And then we'll, we'll call it a night. Um, Not long after that. This is one that I'm surprised didn't get a whole lot of conversation. I'm guessing I'm just not part of the right circles that are excited for this. Um, but I'm excited because I have, have been an apologist for this show and have been wanting a respectful and honorable live action adaptation for years. And we're seeming to finally get it, but I guess time will tell my number two is avatar. The last airbender. Oh, I, yeah. I think, I think it's been extremely well cast. I think that the stuff that they have been doing as far as teasers and posters and promotions and stuff goes have all done exactly what they're supposed to do, which is tease you, um, but not show you everything. Um, I do think that it may be taking on a more serious tone than the animated show was, but everybody loves drama these days. So it's very possible that they're just kind of embracing the more dramatic side of the show. Um, But as a whole, I think it has a lot of potential. I think it shows a lot of promise. I think there's a lot of it to embrace and look forward to. And so 
I am looking forward to watching the animated season one, hopefully with my bride, if I can get her to watch it with me. And then we can turn around and watch the live action stuff right after that so that we can compare and contrast just how similar and different they are. And so, yeah, Avatar is my second most anticipated show of 2024. Yeah, and I completely get it. I have heard so many great things about the original show, and I'm I'm not anticipating the new series, but I'm just like – you know, just kind of cautiously optimistic. I'm just like, I, I want to hear from the super fans that it's good. And then I'll maybe this will be my chance to finally get into that universe proper with this new show. So, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. Just um, it's not on my list because I'm not into it yet. But maybe this will be my jumping off point. Just whatever you do, don't watch the Shyamalan movie. <laughs> look, according I know, to, look, I've been on the internet long enough to know that. According to the fandoms, that movie doesn't even exist. So, yeah, don't don't do anything. Don't have anything to do with the Shyamalan movie. Just just pretend just pretend it doesn't exist. It's like Bruno. We don't talk about it. <laughs> naturally, naturally. Okay, okay. Let's wrap this up with my number one, shall we? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Bring it home. So, uh, look, what can be said more about this show? We've already talked about it. It's been mentioned so many times tonight. Um, I've talked about it at length. Um, but um, it's a show that I'm still very much looking forward to. It is the number one show for this year. It is Star Wars The Acolyte. And it's a show that, um, like I said, has a lot going for it. It's supposed to have, like, the most Jedi we've ever seen on screen, which is saying something. Um, I'm really... Yeah, like, looking at you, Attack of the Clones. <laughs> exactly. But I I don't just, like, love the concept of, like, oh, this is pre-Phantom Menace. This is pre, you know, things. I've listened... The more I've listened to the showrunner Leslie Hedlund talk, the more I love her and the more... I really want to hear from her and want to see what her perspective is because she's such a huge Star Wars fan. And I know like everybody involved in Star Wars seems to be a big fan, but like she seems so focused on this stuff. She's a big prequel fan. She seems to like get into the minutiae. She really feels like one of us. So I am very much like that's making me all the more excited for this show in regards to just finding out what I really – die hard like prequel fan is going to bring to this someone seeming kind of feel like of my generation of my status as a fan what are they going to bring to star wars and that's what really got me excited so um i don't know when it's coming out but it's supposed to come coming out some this year it's been finished filming so and i've seen we've seen the set of photos and all this kind of stuff there's a big jedi wookie and he's going to be played by yonis of watamo so that's interesting and that is why it is my number one for those of you that don't really know much about it, uh, Amanda Stenberg from Hunger Games is going to be in it. Swaltemo, right. like you mentioned, is is going to be in it. Carrie Ann Moss is going to be in it. I know <laughs> her from Jessica Jones. A lot of people know her from, uh, what was it, Terminator, I believe. Um, Lee Jung-jae from Squid Game is going to be in it. And then I completely forgot about this. Daphne Keene from Logan is going to be in it. Hell yeah. So like we've got we've got a we've got a a Hunger Games alumnus we've got a Star Wars alumnus we've got a uh, a X Men 
and his Dark Materials alumnus. We've got somebody on a hit show like Squid Games that's going to be on it. We've got uh, a a Marvel slash um, Matrix. Matrix. Did I say what did I say before with her? I'm sorry, I drew a blank there. I'm getting. I, I know I too. <laughs> I I know I said something else. I know I didn't say Matrix. I know I didn't. Um, I think I said Terminator. She's from the Matrix. <laughs> but just a star-studded alumni cast that's going to be a part of the galaxy far, far away now, and that is just awesome. So. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely looking forward to that. Uh, just not my number one, but definitely something I'm anticipating. Um, for those of you that have known me for any amount of time, I think you know what my number one's going to be. And I'm not going to spend too much time telling you why, because we've already gone way past our allotted time. But uh, be sure to follow uh, The Legacy of Westeros. It's a YouTube channel that I'm a part of with my buddy Sean. And we are going to be discussing all kinds of ins and outs and ups and downs and dissecting the hell out of House of the Dragon Season 2. That's my most anticipated show of 2024 because I know what's about to happen. All of the stuff that took place in season one was a prelude to what is going to become one of the biggest and and grandest seasons of dramatic HBO dragon fest you are ever going to lay your eyes on. This season is going to be all about the beginning of a war that literally is – Family of Dragons versus Family of Dragons. <laughs> and there will be so many dragon battles. There are going to be nautical battles. There are going to be these giant epic out in the open uh, field battles between enormous armies. There's there's going to be a lot of deception. There's going to be a lot of playing the game, the Game of Thrones as we know it, but in a very different way from what we've watched with the original Game of Thrones series. And so it's going to be setting itself up for so much epicness from a writing perspective, from a storytelling perspective, a character development, the the CGI, the action, the set pieces – Everything is going to be bigger and grander and more intense than what we've seen before. And I just I can't wait. I just can't wait. So follow the legacy of Westeros and and watch all of the different things that we're anticipating. There will probably be specific episodes dedicated to what we're hoping for. There will be specific episodes that that break down trailers. There will be specific episodes that break down the individual episodes when they release. So if you're interested in Game of Thrones in any capacity, go to YouTube and follow the legacy of Westeros, and we will break it all down. But that is my number one anticipated season of television coming out this year. Great, great picks, great lists. I should have seen that one coming because uh, I know how much that that whole universe means to you. And uh, yeah, I think I think it's on a lot of people's list as as witnessed tonight, and uh, it's going to be uh, huge. Another huge year of TV, just a massive year of tv i know every year we could say that but this year especially is just massive well dude imagine how next year is going to be if we get you know let's say we get strange new world season three and we get Andor, where we might get skeleton crew and ahsoka next year like it's possible holy crap dude we're we're gonna get a whole bunch of stuff next year too but 
we will worry about next year when next year comes around. Uh, this was supposed to be a one-hour bonus episode, and we have turned it into almost an hour 40. For those of you that uh, really know us and really follow us, that should come as no surprise. But thanks for legging it out with us and for being a part of this bonus episode. Um, follow us on our socials at IPC Podcast. And uh, if you follow us on any of our podcasts, we'll give you the links to find all of our other stuff. Um, Ben's got some really great stuff that he's doing. As I mentioned, I'm getting ready to do baseball season stuff. So um, tons of projects to keep up with. But um, Ben, unless you have any objections, I think we just need to go ahead and wrap this up because we're already over time. I do not object in the slightest. This has been a wonderful episode and uh, hope you guys enjoy the extra extra content this month. Well, we'll probably won't be doing it next month because we don't have time for this. <laughs> no, but, uh, ain't nobody got time for that. It was fun while it lasted. It will, we'll, we'll see you next month. We'll, we'll do it sometime in February, but we'll have to do it when I'm not doing baseball games. So that'll be fun to keep up with. But uh, be sure to join us in February for another episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast to answer Stephen's question in the live chat. No, this will not be a numbered episode. This is a bonus episode. So uh, we'll give it some other special title. But that's going to do it for this edition of the IPC podcast. Thanks for being a part of the fun talking about our anticipated series of 2024. Go find our individual episode i believe it's 369 that talks about our anticipated movies uh those are two separate things we made them separate for a specific reason because if we tried to combine all of it we would have done a four hour long podcast in one night and that's just not possible nope. so for ben i'm zach thanking you one last time for joining us we hope to see you all next time right here on the ipc podcast but until then have a great night everyone <laughs>